Thanks for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Yankees listeners get $50 off $500. That's when you purchase something for $500. Use code LOCKEDON at checkout. On today's show, the Yankees won last night, and it wasn't as torturous to watch as Tuesday's win. We recap the game. We preview today's finale in Detroit, including some quotes from Miguel Cabrera, who's on the cusp of history. He's about to hit his 3,000th hit, and that's pretty exciting for him. And we'll take a brief look back at a game that happened at Fenway Park 10 years ago. I'll give you some hints. A perfect game was happening at the same time. And it involved a historic comeback. That's all coming up next on Locked on Yankees. You are Locked on Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Yankees fans, welcome to Locked on Yankees. I'm your host, Stacey Gotsoulias, and I'm joined by my co-host, Abby Mastrocco. You can find Locked on Yankees on Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Yankees, all one word. And if you saw both accounts, you saw all the food that Abby spoke about on yesterday's show on both accounts. You can listen to us on every podcasting platform available, including Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, and Stitcher. And you can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Yankees. Abby, how are you doing today? I just worked out. Um, got my protein shake right here. Nice. I, <laughs> I've got like this huge story that I've been working on for a couple months that I have to finish today. And of course, in like true ADHD fashion, I've had some of these like interviews done for months and I haven't transcribed them. And my deadline is today at five and I'll get it done because also in true ADHD fashion, like I need deadlines and I meet yes. them but oh, I yes. don't until right before that deadline. Yes. I, I've, oh yeah. I've spoken about this. I had a chapter to write for a book when I was with the hardball times and my, I believe my deadline was October 15th and I wrote my chapter on October 14th. It was yeah. about 4,000 words all in one day in about uh-huh. two hours. <laughs> like, I've been talking to players around the NHL, players and coaches around the NHL for this since January. Other things have happened in between that I had to write about, you know, and there was like the trade deadline. Like, we purposely planned this story to be kind of like a fun end of the season story. And I've had <laughs> half a season to work on it. And I'm just doing it today because yeah. that's how I operate sometimes that's how i know i've had adhd my entire life but was never diagnosed because in college i had a 20 page paper due in a pluralism and diversity class in college and this professor was a hard ass i did that 20 page paper the night before i got a b plus i was thrilled by the b plus because he really he was like one of the toughest professors i ever had throughout college and yeah i got so delirious that i forgot how to spell the word the by about the 17th page yeah that happens yeah yeah. That happens. It's fun being a writer with ADHD. <laughs> it's, well, it's good sometimes because like I can multitask. Like yes. nobody, like nobody's business. And but I just I have these like 
bursts of productivity. And then when they end, they really end. And my mind is in 50 million places. Oh, yeah. And like sometimes it's really good because last night I had two screens on. I was watching baseball and I was watching hockey. And like I have this remarkable way of following along in multiple games and knowing what's going on, sort of knowing what's going on in both games. Maybe not like in deeply drenched in both games. Right. But like sort of understanding what's going on and, and the storylines and the, you know, some of the stat lines. And but then like the minute my mind snaps off and I'm not paying attention, like that I'm really not paying any attention. It is like, it's kind of all or nothing. And the all part is like very productive. Oh yeah. Very. Hyper-focused. You're like really like, woo. And then, yeah. Very yeah, I was, was kind of like you last night where I had the Yankee game on, I was watching it, but I was also writing something at the same time. So I was kind yeah. of paying attention, but kind of, you know, split between the two. But it was definitely a better game to watch than Tuesday's game. Um, there were still annoying bits. Obviously, as a Yankee fan, you don't want to see Luis Severino pitch well and then have Chad Green come in <laughs> and give up <laughs> give up the lead and let the Tigers tie the game. But Severino looked good. He had one of those innings where he, you know, was backed up against a fence and then he bounced back really well. And, you know, that fired up Luis Severino fist pump when he gets a really big strikeout happened last night. And that was good to see because he's needed He's needed by the Yankees in a a big way and having him back and having him healthy, knocking on wood, um, is a very big deal for the Yankees. (laughs) That rotation is, it's a good rotation if nobody gets hurt. Yep. If if the dominoes start to fall though, then it's just, yeah. if Cole doesn't turn this around, that rotation is going to look a whole lot different. Right. Severino really does give it a big boost. And it's nice to see him back. And I think guys are fired up that he's back. Mm-hmm. But man, that there's a lot of pressure on, on Severino every five days. And he rose to the occasion last night. And I, I think this was, there's, you're always a little bit like excited, but like kind of hesitant when you're right. watching a guy after coming, after he comes back from such a lengthy injury. Mm-hmm rehab process you're always sort of like you're hoping for the best but like teetering like oh Oh, yeah is he gonna like the other shoe is is he gonna be the same picture that he was before the surgery and he's looking more like the same picture that he was yeah so that's got a that's a nice boost to have in the rotation and like i said a nice boost to have in the clubhouse that rotation looks a lot different without severino and and cole's got a cole's gonna turn it around but i still think he will it's too early to too early to panic like yep. i said yesterday but i know that fans are going to panic and that's okay sometimes you just can't help it yeah um yesterday's game they had two hits with runners in scoring position which was lovely um judge had a big double actually that was a really good hit actually the way he hit that ball um isaiah kiner falefa also first rbi um rizzo you know, some people were kind of uh, about them resigning him, but so far, so good. I mean, you know, he's one of the only guys that's really hitting the ball with some power and pop at the moment for the Yankees. And, you know, defensively, the combination of DJ LeMahieu at third and Rizzo made a couple of good plays really close at first base um, that I was actually impressed by. A couple of them looked really, really close, and 
I was surprised that the one play that the Tigers chose to challenge was the one where Rizzo was pretty much clearly safe at home plate. I was kind of surprised they didn't challenge two of those plays at first, but it was good to see good defense, um, timely hitting, and John, Jonathan Loisaga bounced back last night from his last outing. He looked good um, in relief. Clay Holmes, what can you say about that guy? He like came out of nowhere, and he's just yeah, like he's a good example of of scouting. Like what, you, like you sort of like find some undervalued assets, and you can get them to continuously throw one good pitch that gets outs, and you can. I he's he's a he's a really good example of like what happens when you're sort of looking in some outside of like your traditional pipelines. Um, I like what he brings to the table. Yeah. Yeah. As I said the other day, I feel like, I feel like if you take his hat off, put a pair of glasses on him, he could be, he could be Clark Kent in a yeah. Superman movie. <laughs> like he kind of reminds me of, um, Oh, what's the guy's name who played him in Smallville? Now I can't think of his name. Oh, Tom something, right? Very blue eyes and dark hair and really pretty. Um, he kind of reminds me of that. So every time I see him pitch, I'm just like, it's Clark Kent. That's what I call him. But speaking of Clay Holmes, we're going to go into the next segment because he struck out Miguel Cabrera last night in Cabrera's last at bat when Cabrera was looking for his 3,000th hit. So that was kind of a big deal. But will it happen later today? We'll find out. In a couple of hours, but first, <laughs> whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. Celebrating the special women in your life, BlueNile.com, on BlueNile.com, pardon me, you can easily navigate thousands of fine jewelry options at every price point. They're the original online jeweler. Since 1999, they've helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring, and they're committed to ensuring the highest ethical standards are observed when they're sourcing their diamonds and their jewelry. When you commit to a piece, so does Blue Nile, with guaranteed service and repair for life. And if you're not satisfied, no problem. They have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. You can shop stress-free with guaranteed free shipping and returns. This Mother Day, this Mother Day, this Mother's Day, give your mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. Locked on Yankees listeners, I told you at the top, I'm telling you again, you can get $50 off a $500 purchase. This podcast ex exclusive is good through Mother's Day only, so use the code LOCKEDON, that's code LOCKEDON, plus Every order is insured, it ships free, and it arrives in packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen. For your next listen, check out Locked On Now. You'll get recaps of Major League Baseball games from every host on the Locked On Network with analysis from those hosts. We'll be taking fans through the season like no other network. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk about Miguel Cabrera because it's more than likely he's going to get his 3,000 hit today. Yeah, you know, Yankees. it's a pretty exclusive club. And it's what well, Pujols, I think, is the only other active player with 3,000. Yeah. I think. Uh, and Pujols is uh, inching towards. Is he inching towards? Where is he close to? Is he approaching seven? No, he's not approaching seven. Is he? He's up there, right? 
see. I haven't checked in a while. Yeah, because he has um, a lo- he has a lot of home runs. I know this off the top of my head from how much I covered the Angels, and last year when he retired, I had to write a bunch about that. But <laughs> the, or not when he got ret- retired. I'm that's not the correct. When he was released by the Angels, he was cut basically. <laughs> right, right. He has. He has 3,308 hits. Wow. Seven this season. That's amazing. Yeah. That's like, like, I feel like people, I don't think they downplay it, but there's some people who are just like, yeah, whatever. And it's like, hello, that's a big deal to hit 3,000. And my favorite 3,000th hit is obviously Derek Jeter, only because everyone was expecting him to hit like a dribbler through the infield and he hit a home run. <laughs> Where it wasn't well, it so surprising and, and like- that... Certain Pujols, guys hit home runs. Pujols was sort of a victim of like a changing game. Like he got shifted on a lot later in his career. Right. So imagine if like, I mean, there are some people who want to ban the shift. That's not happening right now. But like, imagine if like the shift was banned, like how many hits he would have. Yeah. You can say that about a lot of guys. He's up to Probably, 681 yeah. home runs, by the way. So he is closing in. I mean, I don't know if he'll get it, but he's pretty close to 700. That's yeah. that's amazing. That's and amazing. I wonder if maybe that's like what's driving him is hitting a milestone like that. Like, yeah. this is where I think we need to bring up Miguel Cabrera's quote from last night. Mm-hmm. Which was really interesting. Because, yeah. yeah, there is that sort of argument in in baseball about whether or not this, like how much your individual numbers matter. Right. Bring it up. I stupidly closed out of some of my tabs before I started. (laughs) Yeah, I found that quote interesting. Um, You know, just the way the word was. Marley Rivera of ESPN asked Miguel Cabrera about being one hit away from 3,000. He went three for four last night against the Yankees mm-hmm. and he said who the F cares we <laughs> lost when has this game ever been about individual accomplishments that that didn't really play well with a certain group and it played a lot and it played very well with another group mm. say that you play for you know the name on the front of the jersey and not the name on the back but baseball has always sort of been disguised like it's sort of an individual sport like disguised as a team sport yeah you get into the Hall of Fame based on individual achievements. And Cabrera is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. As Pujols will be as well. But, like, I I just found that interesting, like, sort of an, an insight into, like, his competitiveness and, like, what drives him as a player. And he's, you know, he's a guy who has played in World Series. And now he's been with the Tigers through this long rebuild. And clearly he's – it sounds like he's ready to – <laughs> to see the Tigers get back to winning. And I think he probably knows his status in the clubhouse as a veteran, sort of an icon in the game, especially for a lot of the young Latino players who grew up watching him. And he's, it sounds, I mean, whether he's trying to set a good example or not, it sounds like he's setting a good example for the culture in the clubhouse based on that comment. But there's another funny one that he said. He said, he was uh, when he was asked about the possibility of reaching 3,000 against the Yankees specifically. He said, "A scout from the Yankees told me if you make it, it's going to be as a pitcher." He got fired. <laughs> so when we talk about the importance of scouting, like finding an undervalued pitcher in Clay Holmes, like grabbing him from the Pirates, 
Um, you know, I don't think you ever want to be the scout who is like, yeah, I told Miguel Cabrera he was never going to make it as a, as a hitter. Like I, I mean, I mean, I'm so, I'm sorry for that guy, That's, <laughs> but it also is one of those things. Like he probably carried that with him for a long time as a player and it drove him. Sure. Definitely. Um, I just think it would be funny because, um, A-Rod got his 3,000th hit against the Tigers at home, hit a home run off Justin Verlander, which I loved every second of that. Um, and it would be fitting <laughs> if, if Miguel Cabrera got his 3,000th hit. So what do we think his 3,000th hit will be? Do we think it'll be a dramatic home run or will it just be a single or, you know? Because <laughs> it's not that easy to do that either on your 3,000th hit, but we've seen it happen a few times in the recent past. I don't know. I mean, it'd be it would be sort of fitting. It'd be a great story. Like for me, as somebody who's always looking for like stories within the game, it'd be a great story if it was a home run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's your lead for the game. You know, like thinking about it from a from a beat writer's perspective, like that's a really easy lead for you. And I'm the kind of writer that like if I don't have the lead the way that I want it, like I can't. I get stuck and I cannot finish the story. There's some, they always tell you in journalism school, like if you're stuck on the lead, like right the middle. And I'm like, no, I can't. Like I can't yeah. move on until I have structured the top of it. So like, that's an easy lead for the writers there. I don't know. I think it's just going to be like easy hit, like easy single. Yeah. You know, yeah the thing about the 3000th hit for most of these guys is they're old by the time it happens because yeah. it does take a while to get. Well, he's not exactly hits. like, you know, he's not hustling around the bases to, like, stretch a double into a triple these days. Yeah. Well, he tried to um, go from first to third on a single, was it last night or the night before, and he got nailed at the plate. But then yeah. there was that play last night where he scored running from first because of the way the ball split the outfielders when Chad Green gave up the lead. And my brother was very upset about that because he's like... It's Miguel Cabrera. How could they not throw him out at the plate? The throw was really offline, like just really bad. It's like, it's not like you have like some speed demon trying to run into home plate. Like, why would you throw the ball that badly? Like he was really mad that he scored. But there was a video on like on Twitter last week that was Albert Pujols, I think, trying to steal a base. And like the comments on the video were were pretty funny. Yeah. Like speed, noted speedster Albert Pujols. And it was uh everything that you were probably imagining it to be (laughs) yeah like there's some guys when you I used to love watching guys like Tino Martinez and Jorge Posada try to run because Jorge Posada I always described as he looked like he was trying to run the bases with a dirty diaper like a full dirty diaper and a piano strapped to his back (laughs) Tino was similar Mark Teixeira looked like a cartoon character because he didn't really move his upper body. It was mostly legs. Like, you know that like yeah. in the old time Hannah yeah. Barbera cartoons where the legs are just moving? Well, and... it's like that episode of Seinfeld where uh, I think it was Raquel Welsh, like, doesn't move her arms. And that was like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. But yeah. The one Miguel... that I used to like watching attempt every once in a while. Um, was Pablo Sandoval because he actually, like, had some quickness. Yeah. Like, I. He was a he was a cat 
he was like a cat around the bag, but he was a turtle on the path. But he would like have some surprising quickness sometimes. And like he'd get a good jump or like he would have a good slide. And you're like, how does that happen? But then most of the time it was just like it was Pablo Sandoval trying to run the base. <laughs> right. Uh, he didn't really do that, that often, but there was a few times. I remember when I was cutting highlights at Fox Sports, one in particular that we we cut and we would like replay just because it was humorous. <laughs> if we just replay it like us in the, up in our unit called Quantel and all the PAs would laugh at it. Um, yeah, that was a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in a moment, we will go through the lineup for today, and then we're going to look back at that game 10 years ago today. Still can't believe it was 10 years ago today. But first, Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs. Uh, Joel Embiid last night, that shot against Toronto, unbelievable. And the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. I'm always fascinated by guys who can get a shot off with 0.9 seconds left. With Yeah. yeah it's like, oh my God. It's, so it's, you got to like, it's good shot selection one, but two, like imagine the adrenaline in that situation, like being able to hit that shot. Like I, I'm still tortured as a lifelong Sacramento Kings fan by Chris Webber's like inability to handle the basketball in game seven of the 2002 Western conference finals. Chris Webber just looked like he had the yips the entire game and, and like, it's just so much pressure and so much adrenaline. And it's it's easy for us watching on the couch to be like, oh, come on, how do you miss that shot? But it's so difficult and there's so much pressure in a situ in a playoff situation like that. Granted, this isn't like, you know, conference finals, but it's I just always appreciate like the athleticism and the mental toughness that goes into hitting a shot like that. I was at downtown Disney watching game seven of the Lakers Kings at wherever the hell place we were in in downtown disney maybe like an espn place or a something yeah, the ESPN <laughs> like espn zone probably yeah, and, yeah um it was something being in that environment watching a game seven having no rooting interest because we're you know long-suffering knicks fans although in 2002 we weren't really long-suffering but not not like we are now um but it was it was interesting watching that um from um a neutral perspective and it was insane and fun um the lineup today because the game is at 1 10 p.m so hicks judge rizzo stanton lemayhew gallo kiner falefa so gallo's back uh marwin gonzalez and trevino is catching so um and jordan montgomery's pitching and old friend Michael Pineda is starting for the Tigers. So this is like a, it's an interesting uh, finale. We'll see what happens because, you know, if you've been watching the Yankees for a while, especially the last few seasons, you know how they love to drop the finale of a series for some reason. I don't know why. It's just something that they do. But we'll see if they don't do that. Um, the game we're going to talk about right now was not the finale of a series. It was the middle game. It was a Saturday afternoon game, Fox game. It was the day after the Yankees and Red Sox wore their 1912 uniforms, and 
I was so mad that they didn't wear them the entire weekend because I loved those throwback uniforms and the fact that the Yankees actually wore throwback uniforms and they didn't look exactly like the uniforms do now because, I mean, how can you really do a throwback with the Yankees unless you make them like baggy like they were in the 30s and 40s? <laughs> like you can't really do much because there's not much of a change. Um, so Saturday, April 21st, 2012, Yankees Red Sox at Fenway. The Yankees are down 9 nothing early. <laughs> and actually, not even that early. It was the middle of the game when the Yankees started this comeback. But the other thing that was happening at the same time at this game was Phil Humber, who no one really heard of because, you know, if, you're not, if you weren't a White Sox fan in 2012, yeah. you had no idea who he was. He was in the midst of throwing a perfect game against Seattle, and Fox kind of did like a picture-in-picture, picture, but focused more on the game in Seattle and of course that's when the Yankees comeback started and everyone in New York was like why are we watching a game in Seattle who cares I mean even though it was it turned out to be a perfect game and then they cut back and the Yankees comeback was still continuing um let me just go through the lineups really quickly because you know I love going through the names and being like oh yeah I forgot he was here eh. all right Yankees Jeter Swisher Cano A-Rod Tex Granderson, Andrew Jones, Russell Martin, Eduardo Nunez, and Freddie Garcia was starting because 2012 was weird and the Yankees had some weird players. Red Sox, Mike Avilas, Ryan Sweeney, Dustin Pedroia, Adrian Gonzalez. Oh, yes, that's right. That was earlier in the year before he got traded. David Ortiz, Kevin Euclidus, Jared Saltalamachia, or Saltalralph Macchio, as my friend called him. Cody Ross, Darnell McDonald, and Felix Dubront. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I love games like this. Both teams... Let's see. The Yankees had six pitchers. The Red Sox had seven pitchers in this game. And, you know, things started off well for the Red Sox because they found themselves up 9 nothing going into... Oh, no, 9-1. Sorry, 9-1 going into the top of the seventh. So this comeback happened late in the game. Now, you know, usually when you watch a baseball game and a team is down 9-1, you're thinking to yourself, all right, maybe if they score a couple, it won't be bad. <laughs> and then all hell broke loose in Fenway. So this, oh, Vicente Padilla came in. That's right. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. replaced Dubront, which is what the problem was. So Andrew Jones actually started the inning with a strikeout looking. And then Martin and Nunez hit singles back-to-back. -back. Derek Jeter walked. Swisher hit a home run. Grand slam. Then Cano hit a double. Matt Albers, hey, 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 Matt Albers replaced Padilla. A-Rod reached on an E6. Mark Teixeira hit a home run. <laughs> Franklin Morales replaces Albers. Granderson hits a single. Jones strikes out swinging. Russell Martin grounds out. It's 9-8 Red Sox. So not quite a comeback yet until the top of the eighth, which goes from being a comeback to being a pull ahead to being the winning score. So <laughs> the top of the eighth, Nunez hits a single. Nunez had a good game that day, Eduardo Nunez. Good for him. Um, Alfredo Aceves former Yankee, replaces Franklin Morales pitching. Jeter walks. Swisher hits a double that scores Nunez and Jeter. They intentionally walk Cano. They walk Alex Rodriguez, not intentionally, to load the bases. Teixeira hits a ground rule double. Swisher scores. Cano scores. A-Rod goes to third. They intentionally walk Granderson. 
Now, Abanez hits a line drive double play, and Granderson was out. Then Russell Martin hits a double that scores A-Rod and Tex. Nunez, who started everything off in the inning, hits another single. Tazawa replaces Justin Thomas pitching. Oh, I forgot about Justin Thomas coming in to replace Alfredo Aceves. He gave up the double to Russell Martin. And then Nunez steals second base. Tazawa gives up a single to Jeter, and it's 15-9 Yankees. And that's how it would end. And that was the infamous year where Bobby Valentine (laughs) was the manager of the Red Sox. They were really horrible. And then they come back the next year and win the World Series. Yeah. But it was fun watching them suck in 2012, especially because 2011 was the year where before a game was played, everyone predicted it was going to be the Phillies and the Red Sox in the World Series and the Red Sox were going to win. And then the Red Sox didn't even make the playoffs because of that infamous night, the game 162. I was so happy when Scott Proctor gave up that walk-off home run to Evan Longoria. It was the only time I cheered a walk-off home run against my team. I swear my brother and I, we jumped up and high-fived. We were so happy that the Red Sox were eliminated. We didn't care. (laughs) Oh, God, that was so much fun. Speaking of Andrew Jones in that lineup, his son is, like, the top-rated prospect in the draft this year. And if you haven't seen him swing, like, go look up some videos. His swing is like his dad's. (laughs) I know. it's But it's a real smooth swing. Yeah. There's so many of these kids now who it's like, oh, God, I can't be that old yet. But you are. You are, yeah. (laughs) it's his swing is very advanced for a 17 18 year old and he's got some swagger to him like on his social media he um you know he'll he'll sort of point out if he's been like slighted or left out of like a ranking or something like that like he's he's got some swagger to him and Mm. I kind of like that you know there's look I cover two sports where like you're supposed to like suppress your personalities and this younger generation of players in both sports are kind of being like like they just grew up showing personality on social media they don't know any better than to just like you know they don't know how to just fall in line and the clubhouse can like clubhouse culture starting to change as well as some of these younger kids are moving up and like they do want to show their personalities a little bit now is major league baseball marketing them very well probably not Mm -hmm. NHL sure as hell isn't but it's I don't know. I think it's kind of like, look, they're 18 years old and they're about to get chosen first overall. They're probably going to have a little bit of an attitude and deservedly so. I would. Yeah. You, I mean, uh, they'll they'll learn that that attitude maybe can't last forever once they're actually playing. But like, look, if you make good on on being a first round, pro, being a first overall pick, like you can kind of keep the attitude. Sure. <laughs> like if you play like a first, if, if you make the impact that you're projected to to make, yeah, you can have all the swagger you want. But like watching these videos of Drew Jones, it's he like he hears chance of overrated and he's just like and he hits a home run and his swing looks just like his dad's. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> there was um, Andrew Jones hit a home run for the Yankees against the Twins at Target Field and he hit it into the third deck and they didn't show it the first time when he hit it. But when they showed the replay, there was a camera focused on Mark Teixeira and he made like an O face. Now, if you're not watching on YouTube, he basically had his mouth open as wide as you can as an, like, just, he couldn't believe that the ball went that far. And it really was one of those like moments where you're just like, did he really just do that? Cause it wasn't like just into the third deck. He hit the hell out of that ball. I actually enjoyed Andrew Jones's time on the Yankees. I mean, you know, 
I didn't enjoy when he was on the Braves and beating them up in the first two games of the World Series of 96 when he was only 19. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, given how good he was when he was young, it stands to reason that his son could probably maybe be the same way. And that's just, I mean, so many of these guys, they're kids. I mean, look at Vlad Jr. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. You know, and he's just like his dad. Like that that one home run he hit against Cole had no business being a home run with the way he hit it, with the way he swung, where it hit on his bat. I don't know how the hell it went out of the ballpark, but it did. And he's just Toronto fans are lucky that they have someone like him on their team and that they probably will for a while. And that's I mean, just... they just have such an exciting young lineup. Yeah. And it's a lot of them like their dads did play, you know, and they you learn a lot just from like being in a professional atmosphere like that, like being in the clubhouse when you're younger. Like there's a story that um, my friend Arpen Basu in Montreal, he was a big Expos fan and he he covers the Canadians now. Um, he misses his Expos, <laughs> but he during the um, it was the Blue Jays played, I think, like one of their last spring training games, an exhibition game in um, at Olympic Stadium in Montreal a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Vlad I had Jr. A friend who went there. Yeah. Yeah. Vlad Jr. went to the clubhouse looking for the ice cream machine that he remembered being there when he was a kid, but it's gone. <laughs> uh, yeah. You I, just uh... like growing up in a clubhouse like that, it does provide some, you, you learn how to like handle yourself like a pro. You know, oh, yeah. you, le- you learn like what. You see these guys, how they how they carry themselves. You know, you hear term the term in sports a lot, like learning how to be a pro. I should do a story on that. Like what <laughs> explain to fans, like what does it mean to be a pro? And there's a lot of like small things that go into that, like being on time. That's a very basic thing. It's a, but it's like a respect and an accountability thing. And if you're late, you know, you hold up the entire team and it's like it, does, it might not seem like that big of a deal, but it's a huge deal in professional sports sure. being early and being on time. And there's like there's other things that are like intangible aspects of like being a pro. Like I said, how you carry yourself and guys like Vlad Jr. and Drew Jones saw some of the best, like saw some of the greatest and how they carried themselves as pros. So that's sort of like an invaluable learning experience. Yeah. I'm thinking of all the different sons that we've seen play i mean biggest example obviously is ken griffey jr yeah (laughs) the fact that he played with his dad is awesome i'm old enough to remember watching that happen (laughs) and it was kind of like whoa because my brother uh when ken griffey was on the yankees he made a really good catch up against the wall and my brother was very small when he was a kid like I was always tall he was always short my mom was terrified that he was going to be tiny like my papu but he isn't he's 5'11 he grew up to be 5'11 um but we had a, a uh like a high back chair in the den but it swiveled but he would pretend to be Ken Griffey making that catch up <laughs> against that chair I can't even tell you how many times he did that that one catch and it was just that's one of my main memories as a kid and Ken Griffey just thinking of my brother emulating him and then when Ken Griffey Jr. came along it was like wow and it's the same thing now with this generation where you're going to see a bunch of kids whose fathers played in the 90s 2000s and yeah you know especially on the Blue Jays (laughs) yeah yeah mostly on the Blue Jays but you'll see some guys on other teams (laughs) speaking of the Blue Jays it sounds like all the Yankees 
are vaccinated and cleared to play in Toronto. So, yeah, um, hopefully they are actually vaccinated and no one did that dumb thing where they get immunization or, you know, they got a fake vaccine card. Who did that? Someone did that in the NBA, right? <laughs> did that in the NHL. Like, it, of course, it would be a Vander Kane, like Ugh. just co- like consistently in the news for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Which of course it would be a Vander Kane. <laughs> but like one quick thing about that. If the Yankees were only playing Toronto like three times, like if they were only going into Toronto for a three game series, I wouldn't be as annoyed by it. I mean, I still would be annoyed, but I wouldn't be as annoyed, but they're playing half of the amount of games that they play against them because they're in division. And that's a big chunk of games yeah. for people to miss. And, you know, I saw that Tanner Hawk, Hauk mm-hmm. was pretty much like, yeah, no, I'm not. And it was so like, <laughs> that just really bothered me. And if I were a Red Sox fan, I would have been very annoyed by that. Like, oh, yeah, no, I can't make my start in Toronto. And he just didn't care. And it's like, hello, you know, uh, with the way the AL East is, these games, all of your games against the Red Sox, Rays, Jays, Yankees, all those teams playing each other, it's very important. And these guys are willing to miss those games. And it's just mind-boggling to me but we'll see what that means because it Boone's quote was you know my understanding is and I just was like "Mm -hmm. all right well it's just I mean we we like to think that the pandemic is over but it's not no and there are still guys going on the COVID list you know the A's were wiped out by like what was it six five or six guys it's you know I just had to write a story like storylines to watch in Stanley in the Stanley Cup playoffs and like one of the storylines I had to put in there was will COVID be a factor you know Europe seeing another surge Canada seeing another surge and so far you know down here it's been okay but it's still going on it's still going to it's still it's affecting our everyday lives so why would we expect it to not affect sports you know sometimes we like to think of sports as this like utopic bubble but it's not like right. they're regular dudes eating at chilies like the rest of okay maybe not chilies i hope yeah. chilies. although you know what i do like a blooming onion every once in a while so no judgment that's outback <laughs> oh i remember having it this is man this is like a core memory um middle school they built a movie theater in my hometown in Folsom which some of you might know from the Johnny Cash song yeah uh, the prison is there you can hear the whistle blowing every day <laughs> but it was very nice suburb to grow up in it's between Sacramento and Tahoe so like it's not what you're imagining it was, it was like a prison it's not <laughs> like <laughs> um they built a movie theater in my hometown which was a big deal because like the three neighboring towns that are like closer to Tahoe didn't have movie theaters so everybody would come down the hill to go to the movie theater in Folsom and across the street from the movie theater was an outlet mall and there was a Taco Bell and a Chili's and all of us would gather at Chili's on Friday nights before we went to the movies and there'd be oh god I feel so bad for the servers too because like we'd have like 10 middle school kids sharing a bloomin' onion Mm. and like some mozzarella oh god i feel so bad for the servers now that i think about this like if any servers have had to deal with like middle school kids uh, and you're listening to this i'm so sorry (laughs) i tip very well now i think out of like karma and granted i do remember like when my parents would drop me off at the at chili's before the movies like my mom would tell me to make sure to tip 
Yeah. But like when you have 12 kids sharing one stupid blooming onion, <laughs> like, yeah. that's not a lot of money for the poor server who had to deal with a bunch of middle school kids. I'm so sorry. That sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> oh my God. Um, <laughs> so Yankees finale against the Tigers today. They start a new series against the Guardians tomorrow. We'll preview that. Hopefully all the pitching will be lined up. If it's not, then we'll just talk about the TBA guy because, you know, that's usually the listing in game day or TBD. Sorry. His name is TBD and we'll just come up with fake stats for TBD. So that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Abby and I would like to remind you that you can listen to this show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB. Now make your second listen of the day Locked On MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We would really appreciate it. Enjoy your Thursday and we will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.